Good morning, Big Woods Bible Church family. If you have your Bibles, I would invite you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, our focus this morning will be on verses 1 through 5. It is a, a great privilege to be here with you this morning. As most of you already know, I am Matt McDermott. I am not the pastor here, and, and so with that said, if this is your first time joining us or your first time listening online, I would invite you back next week as, Lord willing, Pastor Tim will have returned, and, and I trust you will be, both be challenged and encouraged as he shares the Word of God with you then. Uh, as for this morning, I need all the help I can get, and so with that said, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll dig in. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we just stand in awe of who you are. You are the sovereign king of the universe, and you are on your throne, and you are in control. Despite what the world says, despite what our culture currently looks like, we know that you have not been taken by surprise. We know that you are in control of all things at all times. God, I just pray this morning that you would open hearts to be receptive to the message of your word, the preaching of your word. Lord, I, I pray that the, the people here under my voice and the people listening online would, would not hear this morning from a man, but that they would hear from you. The, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would just do a work that, that I can't do this morning, Lord. God, I'm, I'm trusting you in that. May you be glorified and the body here at Big Woods be edified this morning. God, we love you in your son's holy name. Amen. And so just in way of review, we are currently in a series called Church Reboot, Renewed Hope, Renewed Focus. And to this end, we have been walking through 2 Corinthians chapters 4 and 5, and we've been taking a look at the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Paul says in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Though we are afflicted in every way, we are not crushed. Though we are perplexed, we are not driven to despair. Though we are persecuted, we are not forsaken. Though we are struck down, we are not destroyed. And as Tim pointed out last week, we see again in verse 16 that same phrase, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Though, though we have this light momentary affliction, it is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all compare. Paul finishes chapter 4 with this. He says, We look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. This is the verse that immediately precedes our text this morning. And I feel a need to remind you that neither the chapter breaks nor the verse numbers are inspired by the Holy Spirit in your Bible. They were added much later. And so with that said, we, we should not see chapter 5 as some like totally different thought pattern by Paul, but rather as this transition to and as setting the stage for our text this morning. And so in light of what we heard last week, 
In light of us not looking to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. We go this morning to 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5. Listen as I read. I'll be reading from the ESV translation. Paul says, For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. This morning we have a text before us of great magnitude. Because it deals with a topic of great magnitude, that being death. And I know that just at the mention of that word, some of us begin to squirm a little bit in our seats. I mean, after all, we, we live in a culture that, that doesn't want to think about death, doesn't want to talk about death, and one that certainly doesn't want to make it personal in considering their own deaths. In fact, as a society, we, we tend to do everything in our power to war against death. Even in our daily routines, we, we tend to do everything in our power to slow down the aging process. Every day, we, we lather on creams and, and oils and lotions to, to cover our dark spots and wrinkles. We, we buy soaps with aloe vera and other moisturizers in them to, to rehydrate and rejuvenate our pores. We, in, we ingest vitamins with antioxidants and, and supplements like super beets in an effort to lower our blood pressure and increase our circulation and renew our energy. We take botanical medicines like ginkgo biloba and St. John's wort and, and echinacea to, to boost our immune systems. And, and don't, don't even get me started on essential oils. Not, not a day goes by in my house when my wife doesn't ask one of us, do you want some malaleuca for that? And, and from what little I know, and it's very little, malaleuca is this tea tree oil, and apparently it can be used for just about anything. Our daughter Kylie, she's doing her, her skin care routine. Immediately my wife's like, Kylie, do you want some malaleuca for your skin? It'll, it'll help clear that up. Our son, Colin, he's got a rash on his arm, and my wife's like, hey, Colin, let's put some malaleuca on that. Malaleuca for our skin, malaleuca for our hair, malaleuca for our nails, malaleuca in the tub. I'm pretty sure the dog's getting a dose of the stuff. I, on the other hand, have learned not to trust my wife's home remedies after she conned me into trying apple cider vinegar. I thought to myself, why? like apples i like cider why not turns out what apparently i don't like is vinegar i have you tried the stuff like if that stuff is supposed to cure what ails me then i'll take what ails me look i i don't want to offend anyone this morning if you're if you like your malaleuca and your essential oils if you're downing apple cider vinegar every day and that seems to work for you then that's great we all have our thing. We all have these fixes that seem to make us feel better. I have a, a cousin who, who he takes the fat from black bears that we harvest, and he, he renders it down, and he uses it on everything from his sore joints to his hunting boots. 
Most of us do more common things. We buy gym memberships and we exercise and, and buy exercise equipment and, and we count our calories all in an effort to be healthy. And, and it would be wrong of me if I didn't pause to tell you that these things aren't bad things. In fact, it's good to care for our bodies. It's good to try to maintain our physical health. The, the fact that exercise and diet are important is a truth that even I am slowly starting to grasp. After all, our bodies are indeed temples of the Holy Spirit. But, but my point is this. We, we can try to maintain our health. We can try to slow the aging process. But ultimately, we're fighting a losing battle. At the appointed time, we will all breathe our last breath and our bodies will fail. The statistics are in, 100% of us aren't going to make it out of this life alive. Apart from the Lord Jesus Christ returning in our lifetimes, we are all going to die. And hear me out, I don't, I don't say that for shock value this morning, nor am I trying to be morbid. But, but I'm trying to point out that, that death is a fact of life, and most of us would just rather avoid it. In fact, even when we approach the topic, we do it in a roundabout way. Instead of saying he or she died, we prefer phrases like passed away, departed from this life, breathed one's last, bought the farm, passed on, etc. Yet the Bible is very clear that our mortal bodies are wasting away and that all of us would soon, will soon face death. Hebrews 9.27, I have a couple references here. You can just jot them down. You don't have to look them up. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as it is appointed for man once to die, and after that, the judgment. James 4.14 says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Just last week, we, we heard Pastor Tim quote Psalm 99-10 through 10 that says, For all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are, are 70, or even by reason of strength, 80. Yet their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone, and we fly away. Isaiah 46 through 7 says, All flesh is grass, and all beauty is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but when the breath of the Lord blows on it, it blows away. Job 13, 28, and continuing into chapter 14, he says, So man wastes away like something rotten, like a garment eaten by moss. Mortals born of women are of few days and full of trouble. They spring up like flowers and wither away. Like fleeting shadows, they do not endure. A person's days are determined. You have decreed the number of his months, and you have set limits he cannot exceed. And lastly, I end with Genesis 3.19, the, the verse from which we get that familiar committal line at Graveside Services. It says, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Verse after verse, speaking to not just the all-encompassing nature of death, but also to the fragility of life in our earthly bodies. Our, our life is but a vapor. It's not like, it's not like here today and gone tomorrow. That, that's not what we see here. That's not what the morning mist does. James says the morning mist appears for a little while, then it vanishes. It's here today and gone today. 
And so point number one of my message is this this morning. Point number one is we know that our earthly bodies are temporal. We know that our earthly bodies are temporal. Look at verse one of our text. Paul says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, Paul is speaking here of our earthly home, meaning our physical bodies, our flesh, our skin and our bones are the current earthly physical homes of our souls. And we see that what Paul compares this home to is a, it's a tent. As you know, in, in chapter 4, he compared our earthly bodies, bodies to jars of clay or earthen vessels. And now he compares our earthly bodies to a tent. Those of you who, who know my family know that we like to camp, but we don't, we don't tent camp, not often anyway. We have a camper, which is for camping. Tents aren't made for camping. Tents are made for testing. Testing your faith. I am convinced that if we could lose our salvation while setting up a tent, we would. It is said that camping in a tent is a lot like scheduling chaos. I don't know about you, but I can never seem to figure out which pole goes in which tent sleeve, nor for the life of me can I figure out why the tent stakes uh, bend at the sight of a hammer. And from my experience, the only thing a rain fly is good for is letting the rain in. And so when Paul uses the metaphor of a tent to represent our physical bodies, what he's saying is, look, your body is frail. Your body is flimsy. It's breaking down. It doesn't always perform as it should. Paul compares our, our failing physical bodies to tents because Paul knew tents well. We know from the book of Acts that his occupation was that of a tent maker. And furthermore, the, the imagery was was very appropriate for that time as many people were nomadic tent dwellers. They, they lived in tents. They, they would stay in a place for a little while and then they would move on, always on the move. Their, their homes consisted of temporary canvas tent shelters. And this was a people of, uh, who grew accustomed to constantly setting up their canvas tents and constantly tearing down their canvas tents. You see, a, a tent belonged to someone who wandered around and didn't have a permanent home. Isn't that us as believers? Friends, see the connection that Paul is trying to make this morning. Aren't we as Christian strangers? Aren't we as Christians aliens? Aren't we sojourners in a foreign land? Paul says in Philippians 3, he says, but our citizenship is, is in heaven. And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to even to subject all things to himself. A tent is transient. It is temporary. It is insecure. It's inferior. It's flimsy. It's frail. And it's molding into decay, just like our physical bodies. Those of you who have lived a few more days know exactly what I'm talking about. Physical activity that once came easy now takes its toll the next day. Pastor Tim a few weeks ago talked about how many of us get hurt in our sleep. We wake up and like, oh, what just happened? Did I get mauled by a bear last night? It's no secret that day by day our bodies are wearing out and will someday be destroyed. And get this, that, that reality was, was all the more pressing in Paul's situation. I mean, here is a man who, who knew, he knew, apart from Christ returning during his lifetime, that he would certainly be martyred for his faith. 
The text says, for we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed. Interestingly enough, we see the same tent metaphor from Peter in foretelling of his appending death. In 2 Peter 1, verses 13 and 14, Peter says, I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made very clear to me. Paul says, if our earthly tent is destroyed, Peter says, I will soon put aside my earthly tent. Friends, what we must see here is that our earthly bodies are, are as temporary a structure as a tent is. Point one of my text, we know that our earthly bodies are temporal. Point two of my text, we know that our heavenly bodies are eternal. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. See, see the contrast here. Paul moves from our, our temporary earthly body, represented by a tent, to that of our eternal heavenly body, represented by a building. And, and as you might imagine, where a tent is all those things we described previously. It's frail and it's fragile, it's temporary, etc. A building is quite the opposite. A, a building is, is strong, it's secure, and it's, it's permanent. And so what Paul is doing here is he's, he's building on and he's giving evidence for why we should not lose heart. Though our earthly bodies are wasting away, though we are suffering, though, we facing, though we're facing affliction, though our earthly bodies may be destroyed, don't lose heart because the best is yet to come. Paul is giving the believer an amazing hope of a perfect, eternal, resurrected body. And, and don't miss this. See how Paul goes about it. Paul begins, for we know. He doesn't say, for we hope. He doesn't say, for we think. He says with certainty, for we know. Paul knew, and the Corinthian believers should have known as well, because in his first letter to the church in Corinth, he spoke at great length about our resurrected bodies. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul answers the questions, how are the dead raised and in what kind of body will they come? And after he uses various comparisons, Paul concludes with this. He says, look, there are all kinds of different bodies, and the resurrected body is going to differ from all of them. Picking up in verse 42, Paul says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead that what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown in a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And so what does all this mean about, about our resurrected bodies? How, how will they differ from our current physical bodies? They will be imperishable, they'll be glorious, they'll be powerful, and they'll be spiritual is what we see here in this text. Christian friends, soak, soak this in. Our new bodies will be imperishable. That is eternal. No more sickness. No more disease. No more cancer. No more surgeries. Our new bodies will be glorious. That is, they will manifest the glory of God. No more temptation. No more warring against the flesh. No more sin. Our, our new bodies will be powerful. 
No more frailty, no more weakness, no more aching muscles. Lastly, our new bodies will be spiritual. What, what, do, what does this mean? And in the interest of time, I'm just going to paraphrase verses 45 through 49. But where the first man, Adam, was a natural being, the last man, Adam, who is Christ, became a life-giving spirit. And, and so it, it was through the lineage of the first Adam that we received our earthly bodies. Through Adam's loins, we received our earthly bodies. But it is through the last Adam, who is Christ, from whom we will receive our spiritual bodies. As we have borne the image of Adam on this earth, we will bear the image of Christ in heaven. Friends, this is, this is great news. This is great news. Someday we will trade our temporary, tent-like earthly bodies for permanent buildings similar to that of Christ's resurrected, glorified body. We see this in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will, what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. How is he? Christ was perfect. He was glorious. And he was eternal. For we know that, that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Friends, we're going to go from a tent to a building. We're going to go from, from something that's part of this creation to something that's not, a house not made with hands, which is referring to, to something not of this creation. We're going to go from something which is passing to something which is eternal in the heavens. Point number two, we know that our heavenly bodies are eternal. Point number three, we know that our groaning is normal. Take a look at verses 2 through 4 of our text. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that, that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Paul, speaking from his, his earthly flesh, says, for in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. Brothers and sisters, see the passionate longing of the Apostle Paul here. He, he so desires to be free of his earthly body with all its accompanying sins, frustrations, and weaknesses. So much so that he's, he's literally groaning. He's, he's yearning for his heavenly dwelling. And I don't want to preach Tim's sermon for next week, but, but quickly jump ahead in the text and take a look at verse 8. Paul says in verse 8, he says, Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. You know, we, we, we see that same groaning from Paul in Philippians 1, verse 23, where it says, My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better, Paul says. Here was a man who, who gladly embraced suffering for, for the gospel. He, here was a man who endured hardship after hardship. And, and basically, what we're hearing from him is this. Paul's saying, look, don't feel badly for me because I face death. I welcome it. I groan for it. 
I know that if this earthly tent is destroyed, I'll be in the presence of the Lord. Friends, Paul won't be in purgatory. Paul won't be in some place of waiting. No, no the Bible is very clear about this. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be with the Lord. Dwelling in his presence until that day when he returns for his bride. And Paul says, on that great, great day, he says, in that moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. This earthly tent will be no more, and we'll be given these infinitely better eternal homes that God has prepared for our souls. Pastor Tim Keller says, the world can only give us a peace that says it probably won't get that bad. Jesus' peace is different. It says, even the worst that can happen, your death is ultimately the best thing that can happen. We all long for a place that is truly home. Jesus says, it awaits you. Can I just, just pause for a moment and, and ask you the, the same question that I've been wrestling with in my own heart this week? I want to I make this personal. Are you groaning? It's a very short, simple question, but, but if you're like me, it cuts like a knife straight to the soul. Are you groaning? Paul says, for while we're still in this tent, we groan, being burdened. Are you groaning this morning? I mean, really, survey your heart on this. Are, are you longing this morning to put on your heavenly dwelling? And listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about some vague sense of, well, yes, I want to go to heaven someday. No, no, that's not what we see here in the text. Paul isn't talking about wanting to be in heaven someday. Paul is talking about wanting to be in heaven now. He, he's saying that I so desire to put off this earthly tent full of its afflictions and fleshly desires and to have this new, perfect, resurrected body in the presence of King Jesus. And so I ask you, can we say the same this morning? Can we proclaim with the psalmist, one thing I ask from the Lord, this one thing I do seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Is, is this our heart's desire this morning? Are we groaning for heaven? Are, are we groaning for our resurrected bodies? Are we groaning to be with Jesus? Because the, these are the questions that have plagued me this week. Be, because if, if I'm honest with myself and if I'm transparent with you, this is not the desire of my heart much of the time. I, I don't find myself groaning on a daily basis for heaven. I don't find myself groaning for a resurrected body. And, and, and so if groaning is, is normal, why aren't we groaning? 
Randy Alcorn, in his book on heaven, gives some insight into this. Alcorn says, and I quote, Nothing is more often misdiagnosed than our homesickness for heaven. We think that we want sex, drugs, alcohol, a new job, a raise, a doctorate, a spouse, a large screen television, a new car, a cabin in the woods, a condo in Hawaii. But what we really want is the person we were made for, Jesus, and the place we were made for, heaven. Nothing else can satisfy. Could it be, friends, that the reason we aren't groaning is because we're clinging too tightly to this earthly tent? I mean, how ridiculous, just think about this, how ridiculous would it be for me if I go home and, and set up my tent, and after I get it all set up, I begin to hang pictures on the walls? And I install a, a ceiling fan in the top of it for some ventilation. And, and maybe I put down a hardwood floor in the bottom of it to make it really nice. And maybe even, you know, the path to the tent, maybe I'll amosite that path. I'll, put down, I'll pay to have, put down amosite. You would think I was crazy. Well, you, you wouldn't do that with a tent. That would be ridiculous. Why? Because, because a tent's a temporary structure. It's flimsy. It's fragile. To, to hang pictures on the walls would cause it to leak. To install a ceiling fan in the, in the top of it would cause it to collapse. To, to amosite a path to the tent would be in vain, for, for a tent moves. A, a, temp is, a tent is transient. Yet, this is what we do with our earthly bodies. This is what we do with our earthly bodies. We, we cling so tightly to the things of this world that it distorts our view of eternity. We, we, we're guilty of not fixing our eyes on what is unseen and eternal. No, we do just the opposite. We fix our eyes on that which is seen and that which is temporal and that which makes us comfortable. We decorate the tent while ignoring the tabernacle. We all want to go to heaven. We just don't want to go now. That hits right here. We, we all want to go to heaven. We just don't want to go today. Heaven? Oh, yeah, that sounds great. But, but I want to get married and, and experience marriage first. Heaven? Oh, that sounds wonderful. But, but only have, after I've had an opportunity to raise my children, to have kids and raise my children. Heaven? Yes, yes. Just as soon as I finish school and, and get a job, I, I've always dreamed of going to heaven. Heaven? Absolutely. Sign me up. Count me in. Just as soon as I experience all that this life has to offer. Oh, oh that we would hold so loosely to the things of this world that we would leverage everything we have for the sake of the gospel and the, for the life to come. That we would groan inwardly as we wait eagerly as adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. That we might, even with the apostle Paul, proclaim, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Christian friends, 
if you want to have an impactful testimony, I would encourage you to live as though dying were gained to you. If you want to have an amazing, impactful testimony, I would encourage you, and I encourage myself, to live as though dying were gained to you. Because i got to tell you that, that our view of eternity and our love for Christ shapes much of what we do in ministry and how we do ministry and how we love on those around us and how we share the gospel. It has everything to do of eternal life and what that looks like and what we think about it. Paul continues, we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. In other words, our souls won't be just floating around in some aimless existence, but rather we will receive real, eternal, resurrected bodies. And everything that is mortal in us will be swallowed up, not by death, but by life. For, for the believer, the death doesn't get the final say. The earthly graves are not the great swallower any longer. Life is. I mean, that's the end of 1 Corinthians 15, right? Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christian friends, we should groan for the day when our death is swallowed up in victory. Point number one, we know that our earthly bodies are temporal. Point number two, we know that our heavenly bodies are eternal. Point number three, we know that our groaning is normal. And lastly and quickly, point number four, we know that our guarantee is final. Paul says in verse five, he says, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. You know, you know this, this image that we've talked about most of the morning about a tent? It, it isn't just unique to us, but it, but it was applied to Christ as well. Ch check this out. You, you've got to see this. John 1, verse 14. John 1 verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, as we have seen His glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Greek term for that phrase, dwelt among us, is the word tabernacle or tent. In other words, what we're really reading here is that the Word became flesh and tented among us. You see, while Christ was uncreated and eternal, the Word became flesh, emphasizes to us that Christ took on humanity. The invisible became visible. The infinite became finite. God put on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. 
And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. But therefore, God has exalted him to the highest place, and he has given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Friends, the, the infinite one became the finite one to pay the price for you. The, the infinite one became the finite one to pay the penalty for your sins. You see, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word became flesh and tended among us so that he would go to a cross. And the punishment that was meant for you and I was placed upon him. Your sins committed, my sins committed, placed on the blameless Jesus. And in his place, he's put to death. He endures the penalty that was ours. So that we don't have to fear death. The word death doesn't have to make us squirm in our seats. In fact, as Christians, we should welcome it. Because the best is yet to come. And, he, and he's given us his spirit as a guarantee, as a, as a deposit, if you will. Romans 8 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Point number four of my message, we know that our guarantee is final. Let's pray. Father God, whom have we in heaven but you? And there's none on earth that we desire besides you. Though our flesh and our heart may fail, God, you are the strength of our heart and, and you are the portion forever. God, let that be a reminder to us as we hold loosely the things of this life because we know that they're all passing away. They're all temporary. Apart from the word of God and the souls of men, everything's gone to the junk heap someday, to quote Tim. God, let this free us up. Let this truth free us up to not fear death, but to, to have this ministry that says, I'm not afraid of dying because I know the best is yet to come. Lord God, if there are those among us who, who don't know you this morning, who, who don't know, that can't say with full committal that we know, oh Lord, would you just, in, in their hearts right now, would you just do a work? By your Holy Spirit, would you guarantee them a place in eternal life with you? God, we just praise you. Thank you, Lord, for this life. Thank you more for the life to come, paid for by your Son. It's in his name that we pray.
Amen.